Good morning and happy Easter, everybody. I'm so glad that you are with us today. We, we had a tremendous group at sunrise this morning. It was, uh, it was cold, but we had a great group of people who worshiped together at uh, 7 this morning. I'm so glad you're here. What a, what a great group we have this morning at 9.30. I'm just happy I'm not talking to an empty room today. Uh, like I was doing a year ago, but there are real people here. And just want to say to those uh, who came in when we were trying to add extra chairs, thank you for your patience. I know that's always uncomfortable uh, when that happens, but uh, thank you for your patience this morning. Welcome to those who are online today. You are watching the right church. I do have a coat and tie on that may have thrown you off. Uh, if you're watching us online, but so glad that you are joining us from wherever you are. I, I know we have a lot of families off on spring break, so thank you for being a part of Easter uh, online. Well, it's going to be a beautiful day today. The sun is shining. It's going to warm up today. I'm sure that many of you as families have uh, Easter egg hunts planned, which are always fun, taking pictures of the kids, looking for eggs, putting them in their basket or their bucket, help, trying to help them find those last couple of eggs that were hidden really, really well, uh, ha having to play the whole you're getting warmer game right there at the end because you know if you don't, you're going to be there all afternoon, right? You're getting warmer, you're hot, you're cold, go the other way, or, or, or sometimes look down. It's right by your foot, right? You ever play that? It's, it's just look down. Don't worry, that, that kid's going to go far one day. He'll, they, they, they'll turn out all right, right? But, I mean, Easter egg hunts are fun. Easter egg hunts are all about the searching and the finding and what's lost and what's hidden and, and what do I need to look a little harder for and what did I walk right past and didn't see it the first time. We, we talked last week about how the, the term Easter egg in, in our day has come to mean not just actual eggs that you hunt and find, but any clue or symbol or image or picture that's, that's hidden, but, uh, but maybe it, it, it gives some information. This, this is often done in movies. As a matter of fact, the, the movie company that does this the most is Disney and Pixar, right? All throughout Disney and Pixar movies are little Easter eggs. And, and there are a couple of different ways that they do this. One is they'll take characters from one movie and hide them in another movie, like uh, Mrs. Potts and the whole Potts gang, all of the teacups. Uh, they appear in the movie Tarzan. Right? You, you see them in Tarzan. Uh, or uh, another one in Frozen, which we all love the music from Frozen, right? In, in Frozen, uh, when they open up the gates for the big coronation, uh, they actually have Rapunzel and Flynn Rider coming into the castle from Tangled. They, they just kind of drop in these different characters uh, from different movies in other movies. Another thing that Pixar does in particular is they have certain images that appear again and again in all or most of their movies. For example, you may have noticed that the Pizza Planet truck appears in almost every Pixar movie. This is from Cars, and way over here is the Pizza Planet truck. Or in Monsters, Inc., there's one quick shot where right over here is the Pizza Planet 
truck. Sometimes it's very well hidden. You'd probably never find it unless someone showed you where it was. But sometimes it's kind of obvious. So they dropped this particular image in almost all of the Pixar movies. Now, there, there is one image that appears in every single Pixar movie. You may have heard about this. It's a, it's a, it's a number. It's the number A1-13. It appears in every single Pixar movie. Here it is in Toy Story as a license plate. A113 is the room number for the character animation class at California Institute of Arts. So as kind of respect or homage to the class that they all took when they were at California Institute for the arts, it was in room A113, and so A113 appears in every single Pixar movie in some way. Another way that uh, Disney hides Easter eggs in their movies is they'll foreshadow a movie that is about to come out in a movie that is currently out. I'll give you a couple of examples. In Monsters, Inc., Nemo actually appears multiple times. The thing is, we didn't know it was Nemo because Finding Nemo had not come out yet, but he appears several times in Monsters, Inc. Another one, in, in the movie um, Ratatouille, there is a shadow of a dog that is uh, Doug from the movie Up. Again, you didn't know it was Doug because Up hadn't come out, but they hid Doug in Ratatouille. Um, uh, one more, in the movie Up that came out before Toy Story 3, Lotso Bear, who becomes the bad guy, right, in Toy Story 3, is in a child's room uh, as a foreshadowing of what's going to be coming. Very clever, very fun to look for, if you know what to look for, but very easy to miss, right? You, you could watch the whole movie and never see that clue, never know that that was foreshadowing what was about to happen in the next movie. Now, we're, we're here to celebrate Easter, and the reality is God dropped clues for thousands of years as to what was going to happen on this day, right? all throughout the Old Testament. There's the little foreshadowings, there's little Easter eggs, right? there's, little, there's little hints. This is what is coming. Let me give you some examples. This is Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. Hundreds of years before Jesus is born, the prophet said, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Right? It, this Messiah is going to come from the family of Jesse, not from Toy Story. We've shifted from Pixar, okay? Jesse, the father of David. The Messiah is going to come through the family of King David, whose father was Jesse. Just a little Easter egg, just a little clue. Hey, be watching for this. Another one, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. This is what you need to be looking for. It's not going to be a surprise. I'm telling you, I'm giving it away. You should see this coming. Micah 5.2, but you Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient time. The Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. It's another clue. It's another foreshadowing. Isaiah 53 
Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we were healed. Over and over again, for hundreds of years, God kept saying, this is coming, this is going to happen, this is what it's going to look like, this is where it's going to be. He kept giving clues towards the Messiah. There are even places in the Old Testament, particularly the Psalms, that give the exact wording or the exact events that would take place. This is Psalm 22, verse 1. The psalmist says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Exact words that Jesus said from the cross. Another one, Psalm 31, 5. Into your hands I commit my spirit. The very words of Jesus. God, in His grace, in His goodness towards us, was saying, I don't want you to miss Easter. I don't want you to miss the Messiah. I don't want you to miss the fact that he's going to be born of a virgin in Bethlehem. That he's going to heal. That he's going to teach. And that he's going to be crucified. And then he's going to rise again. Over and over we had these clues. Now, one of, one of the most endearing stories of the resurrection, one of the most memorable stories of the resurrection is about a couple of people who didn't see it coming, who didn't recognize what was happen, happening. Their story is found in Luke chapter 24. It's right at the end of the gospel of Luke. As a matter of fact, Luke begins chapter 24 describing what happened at the resurrection. He talks about the fact that early that first Easter morning, a group of women went to the tomb ready to prepare Jesus' body with spices so that as his body began to decay, it wouldn't smell. It was the tradition that was carried out. And so early that morning, they, they went to the tomb. But when they got there, the, tomb, the stone was rolled away and and the tomb was empty, and before them appeared an angel who said, He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised. Even the angel said to the women, You should have seen this coming. Don't you remember? Don't you remember he gave you a clue? He told you exactly what was going to happen. You shouldn't have missed this. Don't you remember? And the women are overcome and, and they rush back to tell the disciples and they tell them everything that they found and the disciples didn't believe the women, right? Which is exactly what men do. We don't believe the women. And so the disciples all go to see for themselves and they run and they find the tomb is empty and surely they thought we should have just believed the women, right? Which is what men also do at some point. Eventually they go, we should have just listened to the women. And the disciples return and they're trying to figure all of this out and Jesus appears to them. So, so Luke tells these details of the early morning of the day of resurrection. And then he, he skips all the way to the end of that day. And he tells a different story. This is verse 13. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, 
about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Right? This, this moment happens that same day. So later in the afternoon, getting close to dark, two people that we know almost nothing about. One of them, we don't even know their name. We find out later in the story that one of them's named Cleopas, which is a great name, but we don't know the other guy's name. We have no backstory on these people. We don't know where they came from. They're leaving Jerusalem. Right? We don't even know if they're two men who are friends and are walking home. They could be a husband and wife. The Bible's very vague about these two characters, they're walking home to a place called Emmaus, but nobody's really sure where that place would have been. I mean, there's several ideas, but nobody's really sure exactly where that place was. There's just a lot of unknowns. This story opens with unknown people going to an unknown place. It's just kind of this random story, which is a wonderful reminder that on the first Easter Jesus appeared to the unnamed and the unknown. Earlier in the day, he appears to the women who had been a part of his life, most of his life. We, we find these women in stories all throughout the Gospels. He appears to the disciples, which we know a lot about the disciples, right? Peter and James and John and Thomas. And there's lots of stories about the disciples. They're kind of famous if you're a religious person, they're pretty well known. I mean, they play a really big part in the rest of the New Testament. But before the day is over, Jesus appears to two people we don't know anything about. Which is a wonderful comfort on this day. If you think Easter is just for the really good Christians, or the really, really religious people, or the well-known Christians, or the people in the church who have the titles or the positions or make all the decisions. This story interrupts Easter with the message, Jesus came for everybody. The well-known and the not-known. The named and the unnamed. The, those who are very confident about their faith, and those who are wrestling with questions, those who are confused about their faith, those who struggle with deep spiritual issues because we meet two people that we don't know who they are and they're struggling. They're confused. They're trying to figure it all out. They have all of these questions that they're debating back and forth as they walk this seven-mile journey back to their home, and at some point, we don't know at what point it was, as, as they're walking the road home, Jesus comes up behind them. And Jesus says, so, what are you guys talking about? And, and this is my translation, but they kind of stop and look at each other, and one of them turns to Jesus and says, you're not from around here, are you? Because Everybody else is talking about one thing. You 
must be the only person that's not talking about this thing. But the Bible gives this interesting piece of information. The Bible says that though they were talking about Jesus, they didn't recognize Jesus. Although they were telling a story about Jesus, they didn't see Jesus. The scripture says they were kept from recognizing Jesus, which is an interesting and much debated phrase. What does that mean? There's lots of ideas about what that means, but here's what we know happens later in the story. Jesus holds these two people responsible for their lack of faith in the moment. Jesus, we're going to see in a minute, Jesus calls them dull, slow, unbelieving. He, he confronts them as to why they don't believe the prophecies that were given. So Jesus holds them responsible, it seems, for not recognizing who he was. Their lack of faith, their lack of belief kept them from seeing who Jesus was. Now they immediately begin to tell Jesus all about Jesus. This is verse 19. We're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus, which is kind of ironic, isn't it? They're telling this story that nobody had seen Jesus as they're seeing Jesus. Jesus is right in front of them, but as far as they knew, no one had actually seen Jesus to this point. Now, the thing about these two travelers is they knew all of the details of the story. Like if we were testing them on the details of the first Easter Sunday, they get a hundred. They knew everything that had happened with Jesus' crucifixion. They knew about the women going to the tomb. They knew about the disciples getting together. They knew everything perfectly. They would have made a great reporter, right? If they had written a news article about Easter, if they had posted a blog post about Easter, if they had tweeted about Easter, they would have nailed all the details. No fake news whatsoever. They nailed all of the details. They knew exactly what happened that first Easter Sunday. The problem was they knew what happened. They just didn't recognize Jesus. They knew the details. They just didn't seem to recognize the person. Listen, that, that first Easter and every Easter since... Jesus isn't looking for reporters who get all the details right. He's looking for relationships with people. He's looking for people who recognize Him as the risen Savior, the Messiah. On any given Easter, there are millions and millions of people who know the details. You could ask almost anyone, 
What do we celebrate on Easter? And they could give you the details. What do Christians celebrate on Easter? They could tell you almost point by point. Well, here's what Christians believe about Easter. Jesus is not interested in whether you get all the details right today. He's interested in whether you know Him. You recognize Him as Messiah and Savior and Lord. Yes, the details are important, but the details aren't nearly as important as recognizing who Jesus is. Jesus doesn't need more reporters today. He needs relationships. So, Jesus responded to this accurate retelling of Easter weekend. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus just went back through all the clues. And we don't know what the specific ones that he cited. We don't know the specific verses that he quoted. We're just told he went all the way back to Moses and he walked them through the Easter eggs, right? All the foreshadowings, all the, all the prophecies. He walked them through and you should have heard this and you should have heard this and you should remember that and here was a clue and that was a clue and this was another clue and it happened exactly the way Isaiah said and it happened exactly the way Micah said. You remember the psalmist said this? He just walked them through one by one and then he said, why didn't you believe? Why didn't you see it? The story continues in verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. And, and I believe had it not been for what happened next, he would have kept going. He would have waved goodbye, said have a good evening, and he would have kept going, but they urged him strongly Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. And we don't know if the invitation was polite because they had struck up a bit of a friendship. We, we don't know if the invitation was because they were concerned for his safety. It was about to be dark and it wouldn't be safe traveling farther. We don't know if they sensed there was more to this Jesus. They sensed that he was indeed a prophet, but they invited him in to their home. They've, they've been walking for miles. And at this moment, they invite him into their home, verse 30, when he was at the table with them. He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them, which culturally was highly unusual because that was the role of the host. Whoever owned the home, whoever's home you were visiting typically would serve the meal, would break the bread, would offer thanks. And so maybe Jesus just didn't give the host an opportunity to do that or, or maybe they recognized this was a prophet of God, we should let him 
be the host for tonight, but Jesus, much like he did at the Last Supper, stood before them, and he broke bread, and he gave thanks. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? And opened the scriptures to us. They, they finally saw him. They finally realized this was not just somebody who happened by. This is not somebody who just was walking faster than us and happened to catch up with us. This was Jesus. And they, they, they say this wonderful line. Were not our hearts burning within us? Didn't we know it? As we think back on all of those conversations, wasn't there something telling us, this is Jesus, the Messiah. This is the one. Now, think back to how their, their story starts. At the beginning of the story, it says they were talking with each other about everything that happened. They, they were talking with each other about all the things all the things of their life, all of their confusion, now all of their fears, now, now all of their what-ifs. The story started with two people who are talking about all the things. And I wonder, Easter 2,000 years later, now what are all the things for you? What are all the things? What are all the things that you're talking about right now? What are all the things that you're trying to decide right now? What are, what are all the things that you're weighed down by right now? What are all the things that are taking up mental space for you, emotional space for you, head space for you? What are all the things? What are all the things that are creating fear and worry for you? I don't know how this is going to work out. I, I don't know what the future is going to hold. I don't know what the end result is going to be. What are all the things? Because this story starts with two people consumed by all the things. And then Jesus walks up. And says, hey, what are you talking about? Here's, here's what I know. I don't know what all the things are for you. I, I, I don't know what all the emotions are that you bring to the service today. I don't know the fears or anxieties or worries or, or questions or confusion. I don't know what all the things are for you. I just know this. Jesus has come beside us today. In the midst of all the things, there is a Savior. And we come to worship today, not just because we know the details, because He is the Savior of the world who has redeemed our lives. Jesus has come beside us. The only question that remains, in the midst of all the things, Will you see him? Will you recognize him? 
Will you recognize him as more than a story, more than a holiday, more than an event, more than a historical figure in the midst of all the things that is your life? Will you recognize him as the Savior? Because what what matters after this day, what matters after this day, is not whether you were here, is not how much you know of the story. What matters after this day is do you have a relationship with Jesus? Have you recognized that that Easter is more than an event that happened long ago? Have you recognized that it is the single moment that can change your life forever? If you would admit your need for a Savior, if you would believe by faith that Jesus is the Son of God who lived and died and rose again for you, for many across this room that's happened, for many across this room, it was a moment when Christ became more than a story, more than a detail of history, became your Savior. If that hasn't happened for you, He's here. He's waiting for the invitation. Right? He's, he's walking along the road with you. He's waiting for you to invite Him inside. He may not walk with you forever. He may, he may not contend with, for your heart forever. Would you invite him in today? Could this be the day for you that Christ comes into your life? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I don't know what road you're walking. I don't know what path you've journeyed to get here. I don't know all the things that are going on in your life. I know that Jesus has come. He has walked up beside you today. And He waits for you to invite Him in. If you have never done that, if you have never trusted Jesus to be your Savior, invite Him in today. Invite Him in this moment to be a part of your life, to be your Messiah. God, I pray for the hearts across this room, those that are struggling, confused, questioning, those that are anxious, remind them that you are walking the path with them. I pray for those who have never invited you in, that today would be the day that they would surrender their heart to you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.